0: Hi everyone, welcome to Chats Over Coffee with my yoga teacher, a show where a comedian talks to his yoga teacher about whatever we want really, but it's usually yoga slash meditation related, but it's hopefully accessible enough that if you don't practice either of those things, you still enjoy it. This week, we mainly talk about the topic of free will, which is an enormous subject, and to do it justice, it would probably have to be a four-hour discussion, and we would have to be replaced by academics. There could have been so many follow-up questions and tangents that we could have gone down. So it's really scratching the surface. But the thing is interesting, and I hope you enjoy it. See you on the other side. Here comes the show.
1: So I've said I would cover a yoga class later this evening. So I'm working five to seven.
0: Well, that's good. More work.
1: Yeah, it's good. She actually messaged and said, do you teach Pilates? I said, no. <laughs> and then I said, but I can teach a core focused yoga class if you want. And she went, "Ah, oh, that'd be great. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Pilates is a new word, isn't it? Really? If you like had a phone like 10 years ago and you tried to type Pilates into it, it'd probably come up pirates or something, wouldn't it?
1: <laughs>
0: so you end up thinking, oh, I, I can't teach a pirates class. What do you...
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, a lot of people think Pilates and yoga are very similar, but... They might be similar styles of movement, but to be honest, Pilates more stems from yoga than vice versa because yoga is older. But Pilates was invented in 1937 by a doctor who wanted to help people with back pain and problems with their, mostly with their back because of weak core muscles from sitting around all the time. So um, he invented, in a sense, like a lot of different types of exercises to try to strengthen through the core to help support you and make you healthier. So it is really good for you. It's just not, I've not been trained in it specifically, but it's very similar to what we would do in in a core-focused yoga class.
0: So you're well qualified to teach it, really, aren't you? (laughs) Yeah! it's like when i get asked to do like gigs for i don't know corporate gigs or something it's the same thing it's just you tailor it i suppose you,
2: yeah i don't know
0: i've done kids comedy as well once i don't think was oh, yeah no it's not for me i struggle to talk to children anyway so to to know what i'm not tuned into what they want really so mm, and mm. I, the sort of thing i do you know, I don't think anyone would ever watch my regular set and think, "Oh, he could really make that work for kids." <laughs> I, di- I mean, I only did five to ten minutes; it must it felt like half an hour. Mm. And they just run around the room, and oh, actually, I lie there. The gig was for the parents or sort of mothers, like, um, and mothers and fathers. Oh, because the dads are involved now these days, aren't they? Parenting <laughs>
1: but- <laughs> these days, you know, in the last hundred years since the
0: war. <laughs> oh (laughs) whatever (laughs) yeah so they like had it was for the parents but it was a a toddler's group thing and so the kids were just running around and one of them knocked the microphone stand over and so there's havoc going on around you so you're just plowing on basically like if a child runs into you and grabs your leg you're like "Eh, let's pretend that didn't happen or (laughs) so yeah so that so i've done two i've done one to kids with the yeah. parents at the back, but it was for the kids. And one for the mm. parents where the kids were just running amok.
1: That sounds really hard.
0: Yeah, it was a bit distracting. I mean, you, you wouldn't do a yoga class with like kids running around the front, would you?
1: I know. I mean, I know that some... I'd encourage everyone to try it, even if you have kids running around. It would be a little bit of a different experience for you. But that doesn't mean you can't practice still. But I do think that as a teacher, I don't think I could teach if there were children running around me and the people and I think I would just be so distracted that I'd be like well, what <laughs> <laughs> but I'm happy for kids to be in the zoom meetings and running around around the students that's fine because they're not running around me
0: <laughs> weirdly actually I did a joke at the kids gig that has only worked at a kids gig
2: oh yeah and
0: it never worked in an adult's gig and I've just found it so do you want to hear the joke yeah Okay, this was the 21st of April, 2013. Oh, wow. So, I've obviously not got any better at writing jokes since then. So, the joke is, a lot of people are very scared of spiders. But the thing is, with spiders, is you're only actually six feet away from looking like one. Because, <laughs>
1: yeah, cause if you had me. six
0: more feet, you'd look <laughs> like a spider. Yeah.
1: There you go. That's for kids.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, kids and you. <laughs> <laughs> Evidently. There's, my, there's a Zen diagram. Not a, a Venn diagram. A, yeah. A Zen diagram is probably something you studied. I don't know. <laughs> Nothing else has happened with me apart from I got rid of all my CDs, which you might be pleased to hear.
2: Oh, right. Yeah. You threw them away?
0: No. I went on a website which buys them. Wow. But they only pay, like, on average... They give you four p a CD, but wow. some of them they give you like nearly fifty p, and some of them they give you a penny. So it's sort of averaged oh, okay. down. Okay,
1: What do they buy them for? Uh,
0: so I sold two hundred and seventy five items. Wow. For eighty pounds and thirty three pence.
1: Did you rip them first, or did you save the? Oh yeah, it's so
0: all. I've the... got everything's on Electronic. digital. Like I kept about ten limited edition. CDs yeah. with nice booklets in them that are mainly Bob yeah. Dylan stuff, but you know, I thought you'd be proud of that because yeah. like, that
2: yeah. is really good. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's so weird. Like, not to champion my music taste or anything like that, but I'm looking. <laughs> I'm as I'm putting these things in, and you re- remember how much you bought them for, and if mm. you if they had any sentimental attachment, like the two, uh, the first yeah. two Oasis albums were like the first two the first two things that I loved when I was 10 years old, they were the first, like, I didn't even love my family like I loved those, (laughs) like I loved those two out, because obviously you're obliged to love your family, you're told from a very young age, you love us, right, so you're like, oh, I guess I must do, but I think that was my first choice, we might talk about choice, shortly if we talk about free will, but I I stumbled across them, and they were the first things I ended up, like, actively Mm. loving as my own, and so, Mm. and now I got rid of them for about, three pence each <laughs> you
1: know? oh it's hard when you have to get rid of things especially things from your childhood that you really did like it is difficult to be like oh but i liked it it's it's from my childhood it's it means something to me anything with sentimental value you know
0: i made peace with it it wasn't a heart-wrenching thing to get rid of them no. but it was like it's just bizarre you think you know blood on the tracks the probably the best album Uh, Like my favorite album of all time, probably so. Therefore, the best album of all time, Seven P, Seven P for Blood on the Tracks. Are you mad? Like (laughs) that's that's all that's new with me. So anything new with you?
1: Um.
0: Move on then, right? (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to talk about the idea of free will or not?
1: Yeah, that sounds really interesting.
0: Okay, so so do you? have any opinions on it at all i mean do do you want to like what do you think i mean what do you think it is or what do you you think have you thought about it before
1: well i think like if someone if you think of like the idea of free will i suppose that makes that makes you think you have a choice but then there is like certain things we don't have choices over which which connects maybe to you know some of the niyamas and things like that you know you have things that you have no control over which could translate as no choice If that makes sense, you don't have a choice over a lot of things in your life, just like you wouldn't have control over a lot of things in your life. So yeah, we have free will to some extent, but then on the other side, maybe we don't because we live in a consumeristic world where we have to work and make money so that we can eat and live. And for the most part, it would be very hard to come out of that system. Might even say nearly impossible. I mean, the people that do make it into magazines. (laughs) You know, oh the man who lived without money for a year, you know, and he's in a camper van in a friend's field and a farm and it's like
0: needs of advice from him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but like, you know, they make it in the magazines because it's so rare, not necessarily because people don't want to do it, but because it is hard to do to try and come away from that. So then how much choice do we really have? And then that's just on like a literal big plane. That's not even talking about the small things like in your mental habits and stuff. <laughs> Go on, you go.
0: So, okay, so I worry that I'm going to come across like a sued talking about these things because you know I'm not, I'm not qualified. I'm, I'm not like a philosopher. Or the first time I was ever introduced to this idea was there's a comedian called Dave Longley who I'm mm. fairly good friends with, and he's a very smart man, but his humour is very dirty. He writes clever dick jokes, basically. So, <laughs> so okay. <laughs> Anyway, I saw this Edinburgh show in about 2012, mm. and we had a coffee afterwards. And for some reason, very early on in our conversation, he asked me if I believed in a deterministic universe. And I thought oh. that's a bold opening gambit to be asking someone because I hadn't ever really thought about that.
1: How would you even define that, though? Like, like what would you say that means?
0: A deterministic universe would mean that everything is predetermined to happen, and uh, since the Start of the universe and chain of events has taken place, which you are just subject to. Right. Y- you don't have control over changing the future because it's predetermined to happen okay. to you. And the, yeah, any choice you make is, has been predetermined by genetics and other choices and other things that have happened mm. before. I feel like we have a lot more limited choice and control over choice than perhaps I would have thought before I thought about these ideas Mm. the reason it ties into meditation and those and those ideas is that when you realize that you know you're not in control of what you're thinking then how much choice do you have over what you're you know what you choose to do because you've Mm. you're not in control of the next thought that comes into your head even if someone says think of you know pick a like a band then yeah. you're know you you're like, oh, okay, um, Oasis. Why is that coming to my head? It's because I mentioned the CD earlier on, so it's fresh into mm-hmm. my head. But I didn't choose to have that band name come into my head. like mm-hmm. It just happened. And So how much choice did I have?
1: Yeah, but would you not say that you have choice? I mean, this kind of goes back to like some of the basis of certain um, hypnosis and stuff. Like, yeah, you have no choice about the thought that comes into your head, but you do have a choice of the sound that comes out of your mouth. So you could be like, Oh, what band? And then your head goes Oasis and you go, Well, I was just talking about that, so I'm not gonna say that and then you go, uh, S Club seven. Oh wait, that was worse. <laughs> and then <laughs> you know, and then you just worse. like I didn't have
0: one of those to give away.
1: <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like you 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 have maybe in my mind I would say that you have a choice. Why
0: did you make that choice? Because you want to be somewhat contrarian and yeah. not, did, were you in control of the reason why you changed your conscious mind on that? That's... Yeah. I'm not being an absolutist about it. I'm not saying I'm, no. there are arguments to say that you have pretty much no control and that mm. what we think are free choices are completely predetermined by events, genetics, other things that have happened yeah. in our life, other people, current environment, everything.
1: Yeah. So everything that, we have, that has happened to us and everything that is happening to us is determining our choice for like right now and slowly going into the future and every choice we make then goes into the program of what choice you're about to make so it becomes you become predictable yeah and then you kind of wonder that if that predictability is so set in stone that you could just literally predict everything and nothing would change and you're really not actually making any free will choices because everything is connected yeah yeah
0: when I got asked, you know, do I believe in a deterministic universe and stuff, mm. I was sort of thinking, well, what's the point? Or what does it matter? So why is it something that we need to think about? But I recently listened to like a talk on free will, which I've kind of a- agree with about how... So the idea is that you believe that someone making a choice is accountable for that decision. Mm. So if you believe that there is no free will or very little free will, mm. you can hold an individual much less personally accountable for the decisions that they make which actually makes you if you believe that it can make you a much more forgiving person of other people so if someone wrongs you you assume that they have taken a conscious effort to wrong you and you will hold that person completely accountable for that and maybe feel vengeful towards them but mm. if you believe that they are less accountable personally for their actions then you've yeah. no need to hate them i mean you don't have to hang around yeah. them <laughs> you don't have to be yeah. friends <laughs> of course and that's a positive reason to not believing so much at least in the idea of free will
1: that's very that's very connected to what i've read and studied around some buddhist beliefs and texts obviously as with any large religion there'll be lots of different sects in different areas but one of the ideas is to is to use every experience as you know a learning experience or an experience for growth Uh, specifically with with certain parts of buddhism they might think that every negative experience you know something that might be quite uncomfortable is a chance to get rid of some negative karma that you may have accumulated so like, say if you're walking in the street and you almost step out in front of a cyclist and then you back up and then they shout a horrible mean thing at you and you might be like, oh, it was an accident, boom and heck. You know, and you kind of feel really bad because you got a fright because you almost got run over. They got a fright because they almost squashed you with your bike and you both feel bad. But instead of just reacting right away and shouting something mean back, you don't. That's a chance to release a little bit of, of negative karma. But one of the points of that is that if you are consciously trying to be a better person in a sense for for an easy phrase there that everyone not necessarily everyone but this idea that maybe other people aren't necessarily which isn't necessarily bad or good it's just you know maybe facts or whatever there's this mindset that I've read about and that they try to encourage is if you were with someone in a hospital and they were on some drugs, on some strong morphine or something like that. If if a doctor went to help that person and then that person was so drugged up on painkillers and stuff that they didn't know what they were doing and they were screaming and they were shouting, maybe they even tried to bite the doctor or something ridiculous, the doctor wouldn't be like, oh my God, I'm not treating this person. He's horrible. They'd just be like, oh, well, he's drugged up, so he doesn't know what he's doing. (laughs) I'm just going to ignore that and try and keep going. And it's that same idea that this idea that that it's a disease. That they're not well and that they don't actually have control over themselves. And that if you were to imagine everyone is having this kind of like this idea of not having this control over themselves of being this little bit ill and you come across every person that you ever meet with that idea that they don't actually have control over themselves, but that's okay then it takes a weight off you because you're like, oh, well, I don't, you know, just like a doctor would with a sick patient, you don't think, oh. So you're oh. saying
0: the human condition is a disease then. <laughs> yeah.
1: Basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, treating everyone as if they're having, you know, this, this illness or a problem or they're, you know, on painkillers and they can't control themselves you know this idea basically you wouldn't take it personally
2: yeah you would react
1: you would you know change what you're doing you're not going to put your hand near that person's mouth who just tried to bite you if they're you know or something like that you would react and you would change but you wouldn't be like oh that person is trying to hurt me you would just be like that is just their nature
0: because it's not all about you is it obviously so you don't have to think that you have to think that everything and everyone does in the universe is because they want to show you up or something.
1: Exactly.
0: Everyone's got things going on. It's like um, when they tell you to write screenplays or something, they say you should love all of your characters, even the bad ones. So you should understand mm. why, if you write a negative character, you should understand why they are negative. It's like, why is that person an asshole? I've got to yeah. empathize with why they're an asshole. It doesn't mean that I'm going to ask them to move in, but you have to understand why people are... Yeah. So I'm quite forgiving of people, but I don't have any friends. <laughs> so so then what's
2: yeah, exactly. going on there? <laughs> but...
0: <laughs>
1: well, I suppose the idea of writing characters, that's actually one of the reasons why I really enjoyed some of the old Batman stories. Because all the bad guys were made bad guys. Yay. They didn't they weren't just like, Oh, he isn't he a bad guy. You know, they were they went through some traumatic, horrible events and then they were t- they were like taking action on that, you know, they were, they became evil because of what happened to them. And I really like that aspect. <laughs> I mean, hopefully that never happens in real life, but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like you're saying, that idea yeah. of in- of understanding and maybe even empathizing with the-, the bad people in your story or whatever. I really like that. That's, but I suppose on the overall large, large picture, as in from like creation of the universe, big bang to now, I would say that I probably don't think everything is predetermined. I right. think that things. I think that you can make a logarithm of what's most likely to happen and predict things and you know try and figure out what's going to happen in the future and stuff like that. But I don't necessarily think that if it were all to happen again, it would be exactly the same.
0: Why do you think that? I'm not uh, challenging like her. No, no, no. I'm yeah. not like. Well, Where's your proof? Come on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Come on, show me a new universe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, yeah. Um I think the reason why that I that I said that was simply because um all of the things that have to happen from just a point of view of like science them working out in the exact same way so that we don't come out lizard people instead of uh you know monkey-based people even just something as simple as that like it's just very unlikely to happen let alone happen so exactly that every single human that exists would exist again. You know what I mean? What's to say that the egg would go one month and then you get pregnant the next month and you get a different baby to the baby that you would have had the month before? Like there's just so much chance involved with everything that it's just, it's just really, I really just don't think, I mean, don't see it happening without some sort of, not divine intervention, but you know, some sort of like pre, pre-planned pre thing. You know, like unless right. unless we're in like a proper cyclical, weird kind of universe where everything is always repeating constantly, which I mean, you would never prove that in any way but yeah. like you know unless there's that kind of notion behind it in just a science scientifical terms or you know that's not a word but you know what I mean <laughs> I just don't see that it would ever happen like that again
0: so you're using your status as someone that is more qualified in science than me to shut me down I don't
1: even, <laughs> I don't even have a qualification yet <laughs> well okay so my <laughs> proof would be like the The statistical chance of actually evolving in the first place to a sentient being is extremely low,
2: Right. which is
1: why it took millions and millions of years to do anything, let alone evolve to the state that we have now. So that happening again... And then all of those tiny little bits, because you know how evolution works. Every time you have macroevolution and microevolution, so microevolution are tiny little changes like we see in bird beaks and stuff like that, like Darwin noticed bird beaks change over time in his own lifetime so that they could better open nuts or whatever they were eating. So those are tiny little changes. But if you take those tiny little changes and you, make the, and you watch them over an extremely long period of time, you would notice large changes, which is how people have changed to be human in the first place, in a sense. And I think that those tiny little changes, because they're so small and they happen on such small scales, those would not repeat themselves as specifically as they have now. That's what I think. So then you would end up with something different in the long
0: run. In an evolution, and again, I'm going to carry over. I'm thinking out loud. I know what I'm talking about here. (laughs) But all these little evolutionary things
2: Mm.
0: are down to the fact that you are evolving to the environment that you have. Indeed. So, if we have evolved into sentient human beings, then perhaps that is an inevitability because of the fact that the science of the Big Bang creation of the universe and stuff has given us the environment where it would always have happened. That's an idea potentially. But that's not
1: saying that you couldn't have evolved on a planet that had less gravity and then we would look completely different.
0: Yeah, but we are here. So, what do you mean? Like a, a planet, you say a planet would perhaps not have so much gravity in if it all started again or
1: like if a smaller planet was able to hold on to its atmosphere you might end up with different style lungs to breathe a smaller a thinner atmosphere you might end up with um if it was a smaller planet it might have less gravity so then you would end up with a different shape of skeleton or different makeup in that way so that you were evolved to be on that planet If that makes sense. And so there's no chance that there's what I was thinking is, what's the chance of the exact same planet like ours evolving? I mean, our planet is mostly water. What's the chance of that happening again? Water is actually not a very common element as liquid like that. That's very rare. So then Mm. trying to get the ice and everything to come about so that we have a mostly water planet is, is another kind of niche thing that you would have to have, let alone the fact that it would also have to be in the right place in the galaxy and in the right place in the solar system so that you could have that stability for an extended period of time to be able to evolve in the first place.
0: Okay, well, I'm not going argue with that. If the planet was different, no, no, if the planet was different, then there would obviously then there'd be drastically mm. different outcomes to the life that would evolve exactly. on it and create. Yeah, completely. You know, then it is not determined that I'm going to meet you in a yoga class one day and, <laughs> and all that. But yeah, if we had exactly the same conditions every time, then perhaps we yes. would have con- exactly the same. So yeah, okay. So perhaps that's too far back in time to be saying. Like you could still say that our lives are deterministic but maybe not the universe at large perhaps
1: yeah yeah i I would agree with that okay that
0: makes more oh good we got somewhere then (laughs) (laughs) what agency of control do you have over the choices that you are making today because if they're the choices that you were going to make and you know it's absolutely true that you sort of slowly incrementally change yourself but it's like are you ever pulling the trigger on that decision like because i was thinking it might be a silly example but on a weekday, I'll either have porridge or muesli.
1: Yeah, we know this. Is this do episode know this.
0: One? Episode... <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't mention it that early.
1: <laughs> okay, okay, sorry, sorry. sorry. No, no, it's about
0: three or four, I think. But
1: <laughs> yes, we all know that you have set meals for breakfast every day of the week. <laughs>
0: so here's another thing you said. You said that now you're not talking. You're not talking about our lives here. I guess you might be talking about the cosmos. But you're saying that, that you could map the the probability of things. Mm-hmm. So. By that, so, so can you are you almost sort of saying that if something had a 70% chance of happening, then in 70% of scenarios, it does happen. And in 30% of scenarios, the other thing happens. So, you know, in the American election in 2016, they said Trump had a 30% chance of winning. And mm. so does that mean that we happen to live in the 30% of universities from that point where he did win and 70% of them went to Hillary Clinton? Or whether it was just always, always going to be the thirty percent thing. If you'd have mapped things properly, you had the correct information. You would make a different probability. It wouldn't yeah. be. It wouldn't be probability. It'd be certainty because it was always certain to have that less likely outcome that yeah. makes sense
1: so you're saying that like probabilities we can't possibly know we can't possibly yeah. actually i'm really saying probabilities every nonsense. single thing so yeah, <laughs> yeah. so yeah. really if you if you knew enough information you would always but your probabilities would always be right or yeah so ignore probabilities, the probabilities yeah
0: I mean, I know yeah. that's the way our minds work a little bit because then we say, "Oh, it was always going to win. It was always, it was always like going to happen." Mm. I knew it was going to happen years ago, you know, stuff. <laughs> but so it kind of links to my porridge thing. So, on a hot day, I'm more likely to have muesli than I am porridge. Okay, makes sense, doesn't it? And as yeah. a probability judgment, I'm more likely to right. But sometimes I might wake up and go, "Sod this! I'm having Weetabix, right? <laughs> Up yours, the universe. I'm having Weetabix today. Now, to my sort of conscious mind, that is a free will choice.
2: Hmm. Where
0: I have said, sod the rules, Weetabix it is. Mm -hmm. I don't care. So I'm a rebel, okay? (laughs) But I reckon if you had the information somehow you could quantify... My previous choices, how many days in a row I'd had some, like, there's got to be a breaking point where at some point I'm not going to want to have porridge or muesli because it's boring So I reckon you could know, if you could map out my thoughts and my environment, mm. I reckon you'd be able to tell the day when I decided to have Weetabix instead of porridge or muesli. So yeah. was it free will that I decided not to have my usual breakfast that day? Or was I just conscious of it later?
1: But do you not think that 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 is what free will is, though? Because we're just, in a sense, biological computers. Like, eventually, we're going to follow patterns, and we enjoy patterns, we like predictable things, and one day, we're going to be, you know, fed up with something that's very similar and we'll have some change, but is that, is, is that not...
0: It's just a thought experiment, you know I mean? in some ways, because before I knew about the idea i would say that i had complete control over what i had for breakfast Mm. but i don't (laughs) i don't think necessarily or not as much like if tomorrow i say i'm not even gonna have weetabix i'm gonna have toast like i reckon you could probably tell i was gonna do that if you knew if you knew everything you know
1: (laughs) I kind of understand what you're saying. Like, if you're so predictable, if it's possible to, to eventually predict everything, does it start being free will?
0: Yeah. You must do things. Please tell me it's not just me. You must do things <laughs> and not really know why you did it. Like, sometimes I might throw something out or, like, just tidy something or move something. And then I'll get asked, why did you do that? And I don't know.
2: i I
1: don't
0: know (laughs) i just did it i must have a reason for it but i didn't consciously think i'm going to do this like i just
1: that's kind of like when you i don't know when you leave the house or when you go for a walk or when you go upstairs or something and you think oh did i did i turn the stove off did i turn the oven off did i turn the lights off i probably did because you do stuff like that on autopilot and then you don't really like you're saying it's the same kind of idea where sometimes you might do something and then you don't it's more autopilot than actual conscious decision yeah. to do something. Yeah. So
0: maybe, what I'm saying maybe there's an argument that a lot more is autopilot than you think, because yeah. you are just, because a lot of conscious thought is just rationalizing after the event.
1: Yeah. But I think that's why it's important, like assuming that we, we do believe in some sort of free will in terms of just like, I am making decisions. That's why it's important to practice mindfulness and possibly meditation so that you can be aware if you are starting to react to things rather than actually making a conscious choice and noticing that and noticing if you want to change that or not. So then so then that way if things are a little bit like not ideal for whatever reason, whether that's in your mind or in your body or whatever you want to try and fix, or maybe you always eat bad food. I don't know. Like (laughs) whatever it is, if you start to notice it, then you're more likely to be able to change that. And we know that pathways that the mind takes, not not literal thought pathways, I mean like neurons and paths in the mind and in the brain and in the body, once they're used over and over and over again, it becomes easier to go down that path, which means that other paths are harder. So if you are trying to do something brand new with your body that you haven't done for a very long time, you'll find it very difficult. You might even find that the muscles don't want to engage properly because you haven't done that for a long time. And that can be the same with your... Choices and your mind and your thoughts.
0: It's just like, I don't know, like when you choose to do, when you, me and you have both chosen careers. Now, how much free will did we have over choosing what we were going to do? We're obviously, we're, in the first place, had a either yeah. genetic or deep predisposition to be able to or be interested in the things that we ended up doing. We would have been inspired yeah. by, you don't wake up one day without knowing what yoga is and decide to be a yoga teacher. You'd have seen yoga happen. Yeah. I'd have seen comedy yeah. happen. Like, I'd have made people laugh you'd have been able to i don't know be your journey but you know like you feel like you've come to the decision but it might have kind of happened before you know that you've decided that
1: yeah like if especially like say for something like yoga especially if you started at a bit of a younger age you might feel like you're a little bit predisposed to being good at it especially when you don't really know a whole lot about yoga you might think it's about being good and bad <laughs> at being able to touch your toes yeah
0: which we dispelled many times yes <laughs>
1: and then if you if you think you're good at it, you might st- keep doing it, and then that might lead you to explore it more, and then you might do more yoga and The reason why I got into astronomy was because I was right beside a school that taught astronomy classes, and I could literally walk there, so I walked around and did some astronomy classes, and then that led to more
0: but again, that you wouldn't have learned astronomy if you didn't have some minor interest in it before going even before the that. classes were in because yeah. because if if there were Teaching i don 't know snooker, you probably wouldn't have turned up to those classes, no, and they't think so yeah <laughs> if you had but if you had some interest in snooker and there happened to be a snooker class next to the yoga, know, you might think, oh I'll pop in there one day, you know, but you noticed yeah. the astronomy class, so it's, you didn't just mm. wake up one day and decide to get into it yeah there was something worked yeah. in you like something was seeded that had to come out
1: seeded that's a word they use a lot, they call them karmic seeds. You plant them earlier on, either in or future lives if you like that idea, or (laughs) earlier in your life and then they come to fruition later in your life and your karmic seeds decide how you react to things. So like say you go to a yoga class, but then when you leave you feel horrendous and you hated it and you're never gonna go back, or you go to a yoga class and you love it and you wanna do it all the time. That's based on your you know, what you're predisposed to, what you like, you know, Mm. coming coming to fruition, coming to, to sprout, <laughs> if we're using this the seed term.
0: It's previous Kayla planting the seed. Previous Kayla was thinking, I'll get into yoga in the next life. Here's you
2: know, <laughs> yeah, I'll just, whatever. there we
0: go. <laughs> so I feel like that you maybe could predict an awful lot you maybe predict 99 percent, but then i don't know how much of the universe is just randomness like how much is yeah. random how much is random events like are there genuine 50 yeah. 50 coin toss things which nobody has any control over yeah. that happen to us like is there an element of
1: there must be space for some random chance
0: yeah i don't know what that constitutes because i was thinking yes. like we, we would probably both consider ourselves you know lucky to have you know found our spouses and stuff yeah but that's that's luck to have stumbled across that person in that space and time isn't it but they both had their reasons for being in the places that we were when we met them so yeah. in some ways that is determinist that isn't like a complete that's lucky but it's still determined if that makes yeah. sense
1: Like the chance was high because of things you've already decided. So the chance was high that you would have met them.
0: Yeah, because you meet them in a similar situation Mm -hmm. where you like to meet people that are like you or whatever. But Mm -hmm. it's not blind luck. They didn't just disapparate because they were trying to escape from another planet (laughs) and they have just suddenly...
1: Appeared in front of your face and then it was love at first sight.
0: (laughs) So there's a bit more... Maybe that goes on in Star Trek or something. I don't know. (laughs) But. You know, like, what is actually luck and what is actually it makes it almost sound romantic in a way, meant to be together and stuff. But <laughs> Meant to be together in the most cold scientific way you can think.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's funny, um, a TV show that I used to watch a lot of, and by TV show I mean children's cartoon, and <laughs> it was called Phineas and Ferb. If you haven't seen it, you should definitely watch it because it's really good.
0: Yeah, if you're under 12.
1: Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no all ages <laughs> okay. no i found it really really good but um one of the episodes it was i think it was their mom's birthday and they built a supercomputer because his sister's always trying to bust them to dob them in for all the job, all the things they do they never actually do anything naughty like they're not actually bad they just do lots of ridiculous things that children probably wouldn't actually do making crazy machinery and building them. A- roller coaster, or whatever, you know, crazy things that kids don't do. But anyway, so they build this supercomputer for their sisters so that their mom can see what they've done. Like, that's that's the parameters they put into the computer, in a sense. And then this weird day ensues where they, you know, take a bottle of orange hair dye up to the top of a mountain with a balloon and three ducks waddle down the road. And all these ridiculous things are happening everywhere. And they're told to do this and do these weird things. And then in the end, they, like, set off a leaf blower with the balloons and the the bottle of orange hair dye. And then they run back to the house. And then... Something happens and their mom had tried out a new hair salon. It messed up her hair. And then at the end of the film, like something flies through the air, pops the balloon, the bottle bursts and drops into the tree and dumps onto her head. Then the leaf blower blows into her hair and makes it gorgeous. And then a mirror pops up on a spring (laughs) and is like, and then she sees what they did, which was fix her hair. And then she's like, oh, oh my God, it looks amazing. Oh, I thought it looked so bad back at the hairdresser's. Oh, come on, let's get some snacks. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, in a sense, that computer predicted that if we had put all these things in this position at this place and time, it would all come to a point where this would happen. Mm. This ridiculous thing would happen and she would see it. But you wouldn't have been able to do that if you hadn't predicted that she was going to have a bad hair day and go into the backyard and complain about it, you know. So it's... I quite like that because that kind of touches on what you're saying. How predictable is it? And then is it not free will because they fixed it or is it or it's good?
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I'm not saying, I'm not arguing. I'm just saying it's an idea. I mean, who cares what I think? I mean, (laughs) I'm no authority. So I can't be uncertain about the existence of God and then go around saying, Oh, well, I believe in a determinist universe now because I'll read something else next year that will make me think, oh, well, actually, that's bollocks, isn't it? So Yeah, <laughs> actually, I've know. changed my
1: mind. I don't believe this at all. <laughs> yeah, you
0: should always be completely open to having your minds changed. Yeah, It's nice to be able to say, this is my philosophy of life and it's set in stone, and everything that happens can be sort of seen through this prism, and maybe that's comforting mm. and stuff, but I won't do that because I'm yeah. going to be. I'm going to be wrong, and then I'm going to end up being bigoted about something, you know. And then in 30 years' Mm -hmm. time, I'm going to to have the mind of uh, someone that's... He's
1: so old-fashioned. Yeah, everything's moved
0: on. (laughs) So, there we go.
1: Do we end now? Yeah, I think that sounds good.
0: Thanks for listening. Congratulations. You made it to the end, and I'm so proud of you. No, I really hope you enjoyed it. Right, there's no show next week. We're having a week off. We'll be back in two weeks' time when we'll be talking about feet. Which is a very different subject. So make sure you don't miss it. Please subscribe. And as ever, you have our permission to share, tell your friends, post about us on social media, whatever you want to do. That sort of thing really, really helps other people to find the show, which is absolutely great. Instagram is at Kayla McCormack Yoga and at Peter Brush underscore. Twitter is at Kayla McCormack 5 and at Peter underscore Brush. You know what they say absence makes the heart grow fonder, so hopefully in two weeks' time you'll be absolutely dying for an episode and we'll see you then